So we want to be a church at Plymouth Christian Center that is Jesus-centered, that is Bible-based, that is people-focused, and that is spirit-led. And we want to look at some of those values over this in, the, in these coming weeks and, and what they mean for us. And tonight, I, I want to look at what it means to be a Jesus-centered church. And I, I want to read to you the passage that we're focusing on these weeks, and it's from 1 Corinthians um, chapter 1. And if, if you can follow it, that's great. Um, uh, as, I, as I read to you um, from 1 Corinthians chapter 1. So this is in the New Testament in the Bible. And um, sometimes uh, yeah, what it means by 1 Corinthians is it's the, f- it's the first letter that Paul wrote to the Corinthians, to the church in Corinth. Um, so it's, a, it's his first letter to them. And uh, he instructs them in various things. So this is how he starts. He says, Paul, that's the one that wrote it, called to be an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God and our brother Sosthenes, to the church of God in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus and called to be holy, together with all those everywhere who call on the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, their Lord and ours. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I always thank God for you because of his grace given you in Christ Jesus. For in him you have been enriched in every way in all your speaking and in all your knowledge. Because of our testimony about Christ, because our testimony about Christ was confirmed in you. Therefore you do not lack any spiritual gift as you eagerly await for our Lord Jesus Christ to be revealed. He will keep you strong to the end so that you will be blameless on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God who has called you into fellowship with his son, Jesus Christ our Lord, is faithful. I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree with one another so that there may be no divisions among you and that you may be perfectly united in mind and thought. My brothers, some from Chloe's household have informed me that there are quarrels among you. What I mean is this. One of you says, I follow Paul, and another I follow Apollos, and another I follow Cephas, and that's another name for Peter, or still another I follow Christ. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Were you baptized into the name of Paul? I am thankful that I did not baptize any of you except Crispus and Gaius, so no one can say that you were baptized into my name. Yes, I also baptized the household of Stephanus. Beyond that, I don't remember if I baptized anyone else. For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with words of human wisdom, lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and the intelligence of the intelligent I will frustrate. Where is the wise man? Where is the scholar? Where is the philosopher of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom did not know him, God was pleased through the foolishness of what was preached to save those who believed. Jews demand miraculous signs and Greeks look for wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and foolishness to Gentiles, but to those whom God has called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than man's wisdom and the weakness of God is stronger than man's strength. Brothers, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. He chose the lowly things of the world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are so that no one may boast before him It is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus, who has become for us wisdom from God, that is our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. Therefore, as it is written, let him who boasts, boast in the Lord. 
First and foremost, as a church, we want to be followers of Jesus Christ. We are called to be followers of Jesus. When Jesus called his disciples in the Bible, people to follow him, he, he said, come, come and follow me. And we must keep our eyes on Jesus, it says in Hebrews, who leads us and makes our faith complete. So we are called. And as we read into one, uh, we read 1 Corinthians 1, we see various things that we are called to. And it's called to be Christ-centered, what it means to be Jesus-centered in our lives. And if you read um, verse 9 here of chapter 1, you see one of the things that we are called to, God who has called you into fellowship with his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, is faithful. So we are, we are first and foremost, we're, the, the word that comes up again and again in, in this chapter is the word called. And if you read that chapter slowly and have a look, you'll see, and you can underline it in your Bible, you'll see this word called again and again and again. We are called into various things. But the first thing that we're called into, uh, in verse 9 here, it says that we're called into fellowship. God has called you into fellowship with his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Now, um, I'm going to use another word for fellowship, and I'm going to say uh, relationship. Relationship. The, the Greek word in, in the Bible is koinonia, and um, we are called into koinonia with Jesus. We are called into relationship with Jesus Christ. Now, some people who come into contact with Christians or come into contact with the church think, think that it's all about being religious, think that it's about following rules, think that being a Christian is about what you mustn't do and what you must do. And it's about following the Ten Commandments, and it's about being a good person, and it's about being a moral person, and maybe singing some songs and saying some prayers, but it's about being a religious person and trying hard to be a good person. And for many, many people, and even those inside the church, this is kind of their understanding of what it is to be a Christian. And we're called, in some sense, to be religious and for many people who were raised in the United Kingdom, for many years, when we would fill out our census forms and you would have to fill in your religion, many people filled in Christian or Church of England or because they had some sense that they wanted to be kind of a good person and kind of fought, you know, went, went to assemblies or went to various things and, and classed themselves as a Christian. But that's not what we are called to. We are called into a relationship with Jesus. What Paul says here that when you were called, God has called you. He called you into fellowship with his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. And when we're talking about being Jesus-centered, we're talking about a relationship with him. We're talking about being with him. And when Mark, the apostle Mark, when he writes about Jesus... It says that he called some and he called them so that they might be with him. He called people to be with him. He called people to be in relationship with him. And, and for three years he walked this earth and he was in relationship, particularly with those 12 followers of his, those 12 disciples. But then there were 70 and then there were others that would follow him and, then the, and there were women that would follow him as well and, and, and look after his needs and and provide for him. But he was in relationship with these people. And we read, as we read the gospel stories, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John, what we read is that he spent time with them. He ate with them. He, he went to weddings with them. He walked with them. He talked with them. He sat sometimes by the waterside and he would see something and he would start to tell a story. And maybe he'd be by the Sea of Galilee and he would see uh, some some plants and he, and he would say you know faith is like a, a seed that starts small but it grows massive like these plants that we can see here or or sometimes we sat with his disciples and he'd, he'd give them an object lesson and uh, he talked to them about bread and he talked to them about seed and the seed in the ground and and sometimes he'd point to the birds or, or the flowers and 
and he'd give them life lessons and object lessons, but he called some that they might be with him. And we are called to be in a relationship with Jesus. And what our value says there is, first and foremost, we want to be followers of Jesus. We want to grow in our love for and relationship with Jesus and to become more like him. And that is what our, <laughs> what our faith is about. And, and if you don't know what that is tonight, if, if, you, if you're on the periphery of our church and you're coming in because you want to meet people or you want a kind of a, a, a sense of religion or a sense of the transcendent or what the invitation is from us as a church and, and from every Bible-believing church is we're not inviting you to religious ritual. We're not inviting you to, to, to religion. We're not inviting you to rotors or responsibilities. And there's an element of all of that in what we do here. Many of us are on rotors and we serve and we help. Many of us follow ritual and we do the same things week in and week out and that's not so bad. But we're not called ultimately to that. We're called into a relationship with Jesus. And that's not always straightforward and it's not always easy, but it is the core and the essence of who we are and why we are here. And as I said at the start of our service today, for some of us perhaps who've been on this road for a long time, we can lose sight of that. We can lose sight of the fact that Jesus calls us to be with him. When did you last sit with him? When did you last talk to him? <laughs> when did you last listen to his voice? And there's a, there's a word in, um, in uh, French, and it's the word um, co, copain. I've said this before, and uh, the English word is, uh, the, the equivalent is companion. And um, the word etymology is, is to share bread. Pan is the French word for bread. And copan means somebody that you share bread with. It's, and copan in French means mate, <laughs> friend. It's the same as companion, companis. Panis bread, companis, somebody that you share bread with. Your friend, your companion. And, and what Eugene Peterson says about Jesus as he reaches the point at the end of his life where he sits down with his disciples and he has a meal with them and he takes some bread and he breaks it with them and he says, this is my body which is broken for you. And then he takes a cup and he drinks it and he says, this cup is, represents my blood which is poured out for you. What Eugene Peterson says is that is the ultimate end of a whole string of meals that Jesus has with his disciples. For me, one of the great joys of life is to sit and eat with friends and family and to break bread together. And what Jesus wants is he wants to eat with us and he wants to share our life with us. You know, there was a day that Jesus was walking along and um, there was this guy and his name was Zacchaeus. And uh, Zacchaeus was a small man. <laughs> he was not very tall and he couldn't, he couldn't see Jesus because of the crowds. He couldn't see over everybody's head and he, he wanted a glimpse of this man that seemed to be touching so many lives and transforming so many people. And Zacchaeus couldn't get near, so he climbed up into a tree so he could see better. And Jesus, as he's walking by, you know, he could have missed him, but he didn't. He stopped. And there was this electric moment <laughs> where Jesus stopped and then he turned and he looked up and he saw Zacchaeus and he made eye contact with him. And Zacchaeus was like, wow, he's looking at me. Jesus is looking at me. And Zacchaeus was a bit of a character because he was a, he was a bit of a, a swindler and a, and a tax collector and he was, uh, you know, he, he, wasn't, he, he wasn't a good person in that sense. And, um, but, but Jesus looked at him, and, and what Jesus wanted to do was form a relationship with him. And, and he said, Zacchaeus, come, come down from the tree. Come down from your distant observation of me. Come down, because today I, I want to come to your house for tea. I'm coming for tea. I'm coming for afternoon tea, Zacchaeus. I'm going to come and break bread with you. I want to talk to you, Zacchaeus about your life. And Jesus kind of entered into relationship with him. And, and once Jesus came into proximity with Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus' heart was changed and 
his life was transformed and he entered into a sense of relationship with Jesus, which is, is what's happened to millions of people around the world, is that they've not entered into a kind of a religious construct, but they've entered into a relationship with Jesus. And that's what, that's what happened. They, he came and he broke bread with Zacchaeus. There's another time that Jesus was uh, walking along the road after he was raised from the dead. And uh, he walked with his two disciples who didn't recognize him. And, uh, and they were downcast and downhearted because they had heard that Jesus had been killed. And, and the moment came where they sat down and they broke bread. They, they sat down and they ate. And, 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 and all of a sudden they recognized Jesus. They recognized who he was. And they recognized that connection with him. There were many times where Jesus came and he, he broke bread with people and he, he touched them at a very deep level. And there is, um, there is a, a verse in the Bible in Revelation chapter 3 where it, it says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock, Jesus says. I'm, I'm standing at the door of your heart and I'm knocking. And if anyone hears my voice, I will come in and I will sup with them. I will eat with them and they with me. And, and there's this, this invitation from Jesus that he wants to come into the depths of our heart, the closeness, the proximity of our homes, and he wants to eat with us, to connect with us, and to break bread with us. He wants to be our companion. He wants to be our copan. He wants to be close with us. He wants to be in relationship with us. And that relationship is a transformative one, which is why Paul writes here to these Corinthians, and he says, you know, you were called, you were called to be in a relationship, into fellowship, into koinonia with Jesus. I want to invite Rachel up uh, for a moment, and I just want to talk to her about, uh, grab a mic, Rachel, and um, about this relationship. Rachel, come, in, in, come into the light. <laughs> and um, is it on? Uh, mute. That's on. Um, I just wanted to talk to you for a moment about a relationship with Jesus. You've been, a, you've been a Christian for quite a while. And what does this look like in your life? Um, for those that perhaps are on the outside of this kind of relationship, as, what does it look like to walk with Jesus, to, to talk with him, to share your life with him? Okay. Well, there's loads I could say. But the first thing I, I probably want to say is a relationship has to start somewhere. Every relationship starts somewhere, and maybe starts small, starts big, whatever. But um, and I was in the source this morning, and Jenny was giving a great lesson about um, about our relationship with Jesus, and she used um, four points. I don't know whether you know the four points that we often teach young people, um, but there's a, have you have you got a pen, Jeff? Go can it. I nick? Can I nick your? Yeah, do it on this one. Pinching his paper. And basically, all it is, is we were getting young people to put it in order. Um, I need black, some strength. I think the black one's easier, okay. easier to so, see. So Jenny, she said, put them in order. And, and basically, the order is across like that, a heart, a cross, a cross of Jesus, and a question mark. And I suppose my relationship with Jesus started when I was seven. And I was, um, I, I've grown up, in, I suppose, in church, in a Christian family, went to church every week. So you could say I was a Christian or I was religious. And to people on the outside, they would say I was a Christian. But I remember distinctly sitting in a, a chair like, like you guys at seven years old. And I think back, I think, gosh, I was so young, but it was so real. And I thought, I, and I know now it was the Holy Spirit. I don't have a relationship with God for myself. And it was very, very clear. And this relationship with Jesus has kind of shown to me like this, that this cross here is saying that however good we are, and have, there's some wonderful people around, isn't there? But however wonderful anyone is, we are not perfect. And we, we fall short of God's standards. So this represents sin. That just means the stuff we've done wrong. And then... The realization that God loves me, God loves you, and he loves us so much 
that he sent his very son to die on a cross so that we could have a relationship with him, that we could be free from all the stuff that sin brings. And then there was a question mark. And when I was seven, that's when that question mark came into play. I want to live. Are you going to live your life for God? Are you going to let him in? Are you going to respond to that invitation? So when I was seven, I responded to that invitation. And I said yes to Jesus. And I said, would you come into my life? And will you help me to follow you? And I remember praying with my mum in my bed. And that moment, I had such peace. It doesn't always happen to everybody like this. But that's how my relationship with Jesus started for a little bit of context. And I suppose over the years, my relationship with Jesus has, has, has had some really good times. And it's had some really dry times. There's times where I think, oh, where is he? And has he left me? <laughs> but I know he hasn't. And, and I suppose how I cultivate a relationship with Jesus now is spending time if I want a good relationship with my husband or my kids, I need to spend time. If I want to develop a friendship with a friend, I need to give time to that. And so I spend time just being with God, which sounds a bit strange, but I, I do just invite him into my day. I tend to go for a walk in the morning, and that's when I just pray. I just ask God to be in my day. I ask him to speak to me. I ask him, would you bring people along that need me to help them or bring people into my life that need to help me? I pray for my family. So I think I talk to him. Uh, the religious word is prayer, but it's just talking and listening to God like a conversation. Um, some days that goes really well. Some days I feel like God's a million miles away, but I still trust that um, he's listening and he's present. And um, I, I use the Bible. I... I um, read the word of God. I try and be in the word of God <coughs> every day. I don't always do it every day, but I try and, and read his word every day um, because this is Jesus' words to us and, um, and it speaks to us. And again, some days it's like, oh, that passage was great. I saw something new. And some days it just feels a bit dry, but I still keep doing it because I want to make space for God um, because he's important to me. Does that help in the first instance? Your mic's gone off. And if you miss it, there was a moment in a service a few weeks ago where I didn't turn my mic off and I blew my nose into the mic. <laughs> and it was live, <laughs> online, for everyone to hear. I didn't want you to have to hear that. So that's, that is great, um, Rachel. The reality of a relationship with Jesus, which is what we're talking about tonight, and that we're called into fellowship with him. In a very real way, I mean, you've yeah. talked about walking and talking with mm -hmm. Jesus on a daily basis. Well, yeah. You're a worshipper, you, you lead worship, and you, you use music as well, but what, what, where do you feel most connected with Jesus in relationship? How, how do you fellowship with him? Um, I mean, you've talked about prayer, you've talked about talking to him, but are there those moments where you feel, do you, do you always have to feel the presence of Jesus? I mean... There are times that you do, well, there's times that I feel the presence of Jesus, and that could be, uh, it can be anywhere. Um, uh, I remember a time where I just seemed to feel the presence of Jesus all the time, and it was just so good. And I think God's really kind in, in times in our life where he, he, that tangible presence of God is, is just with us. And, and whether that was in worship, whether it was... Um, walking and talking, whether it was the Bible, he just seemed to be very present. And there are times like that. But there are times um, where I, I think you just have to trust the promises of God in his word that you will never leave me, you will never forsake me. And I say, thank you, God, that you're with me, even though I don't feel that you're with me. And there are times, and I think that's how, how we worship God, actually. I think I... I with worship, it's not just about singing a song. It's, a, it's about acknowledging him and the truth of his word and, and declaring that. And I think we have to do that regularly. That's what I do. Um, sometimes I'll just sit at the piano and sing or make some music or even... I can feel the presence of God in, in lots of different ways, even when I'm painting a picture. Being outside is really great. I feel sometimes that God speaks to me more in that quiet time. And something I've been trained to do, and I'm not always very disciplined with it, is just to have sit 
with Jesus in silence and acknowledge that he's there with me just to do that. It's always really great. Um, but I think how I mostly connect, I, I suppose, well, in loads of different ways, really, but I think the word of God, when the rubber hits the road and when you're not feeling as though um, your relationship with Jesus is, is really strong, I think to get back to the word of God and just to declare God's promises and to say, God, even though I don't feel it, I know that you're with me. I know that you're guiding me. And, and to pray that and to pour out your heart. And I think also in a relationship, I think we can say when we're mad at God, I, I tell God everything, absolutely everything when I'm walking. Um, I can say, Lord, I'm really disappointed in this. I'm really angry that you didn't come through for me or that person in this area, even though we prayed. I think God wants to hear our hearts and the, and the scriptures show that it's okay to let it all out with God. Um, and I think that builds a relationship. I think, uh, you know, me and Hamish's relationship, it's, it's, I would say it's a good relationship, but there's times where we let it all hang out and we're angry with one another and we sort things out and we discuss. And I think it's no different with God, apart from God we know is perfect and he works all things out to the good uh, of those who love him and sometimes we don't understand stuff um, but that's part of our relationship with God. Thank you Rachel, okay. thanks very much. Yeah, give her a round of applause. So. And we all feel God's pleasure in different ways and connect to God in different ways. Rachel said, you know, there's different ways as a, as a creative person that she would connect to God. Eric Liddell, Eric Liddell of Chariots of Fire fame used to say, when I run, I feel the pleasure of God. Now, for some of you, that is not a true statement, is it? <laughs> when I run... <laughs> feel the pleasure of God. <laughs> Some of us run because we want to eat cake. And um, it's nothing to do with pleasure of God. But we connect to God in various ways. There are various pathways to God. And for some of us, it's more of an intellectual thing. And we like to use our minds. And we like to read. And we like to journal. And for others, it's a creative pathway. Others, it's a natural nature-based pathway. But Jesus wants fellowship with us. And, and what... Paul is saying is, is when we're talking about being Jesus-centered, is that we are called first and foremost, and never forget it and never lose sight of it, whether you've been a Christian a long time or not, is that we are called first and foremost into this relationship with him, okay? Now, the second thing that he calls us to is, is he calls us to be his, his representatives, um, represent at if <laughs> I think that's spelled correctly, representative. Um, we are called to be Christ's representatives. Now, in this passage in Corinthians, Paul starts the whole letter by saying, I am called to be an apostle of Jesus Christ. An apostle means a sent one, someone who is sent by God, uh, apostolos. And um, Paul was someone who hadn't always been, obviously, a Christ follower. And if you know the story of the Bible and the New Testament, and some of you will, some of you won't, but Paul used to be called Saul in a previous life. And uh, he was a very, very religious person. And he was a Pharisee by upbringing, a strict um, religious sect of the Jewish um, religion. And um, he was very well educated. He had the best education of his day. And um, he was very zealous but he persecuted Christians. He hated the church. He wanted to kill Christians and was breathing threats against them and hated this new set of people that were calling themselves the way and were following this man called Jesus. And yet one day, Paul encountered Jesus for himself. He had a vision uh, on the road to Damascus. You may have heard of the kind of the Damascene, kind of Damascene uh, revelation or encounter with, with Jesus. And this is what happened to Paul. He had a dramatic conversion, a dramatic encounter with Jesus. And, and then he writes that I, I, I was then called, and he says it in this letter to the Corinthians, Christ didn't send me to baptize. Christ sent me to, baptize, to preach the gospel. Christ sent me to preach the gospel to the Gentiles, to people that didn't know him. And so this man that was totally against Christianity 
was turned fully around and became a representative of Jesus Christ. And what it means for us to be Jesus-centered in our statement is that not only are we called first and foremost to be followers of Jesus, we want to grow in our love for and relationship with Jesus, as, as our value statement says, we want to become more like him, but we also, we want to point people towards him. We want to point people towards Jesus. We're called to be his representatives. We're called, and Paul says, to the church of God in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ, and called to be holy. We're called to be set aside, called to be set apart, called to be sanctified, called to be his representatives. And a word that Paul uses often about himself and about the church and about Christians is the word ambassador. He says, he says we, we, are, we are ambassadors. And uh, he uses this word in various, in various letters. We are ambassadors of Christ. Now, the ambassador of the United States of America to the United Kingdom is a representative of the U.S. government on British soil. He represents the interests of the U.S. government. He represents the interests and the concerns of uh, U.S. power in this part of the world. An ambassador is one that represents their country, their culture, their government. And we are ambassadors of Christ. We are representatives of Jesus and so we run here, um, we run various outreaches, but our point is, our purpose is, as a church, is to represent Jesus. And uh, we highlighted various ministries in the morning last week, but we talked about our soup run ministry. And on a Friday night, um, uh, we, we have six teams of people that go out on the streets and uh, prepare food and give out food and give out hot, hot soup and and we do that every Friday on a rotor of six. And uh, Paul McDowell leads that ministry. I don't, I don't think, I couldn't see him tonight. I don't think he's in. Um, but um, those teams go out and they represent Jesus. And, uh, and Jesus said, didn't he, when, um, uh, when he was talking into this area, he said, I, I was hungry and you fed me. And I was thirsty and you gave me a drink and I was a stranger and you invited me into your home and I was naked and you gave me clothing. I was sick and you cared for me. I was in prison and you visited me. And then the righteous ones will reply, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you and thirsty and give you something to drink or a stranger and show you hospitality or naked and give you clothing? When did we ever see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will say, I tell you the truth, when you did it to one of the least of these, you did it for me. You did it for me. And, and so, Kelvin, when he runs the, uh, under Paul and Kate, love, love thy neighbor, and, and uh, over at the, the center just across the road here on a Tuesday evening, and another, a Saturday, giving out food and provisions to people that are struggling, or those teams that go out on a Friday night and and give out a cup of soup or a pasty or a sandwich. Jesus said, when you do that, when you give to one of those hungry people, when you give to someone who is thirsty, when you feed them, you do that for me. You're doing it for me. And, and we are called, Paul, Paul says, I am an apostle. We are apostles. We are the sent ones. We are the sanctified ones, the set apart ones of Jesus Christ. And, and part of our value is that we want to point people towards Jesus. That's all we've got. <laughs> it's all we've got is, is Jesus. Give me Jesus. And, and uh, that's, that's what we, we want to hold out to people. There was an argument going on in the church here in Corinth that Paul addressed. He said, some people from Chloe's household have told me that you lot are not getting on. And uh, there's some arguments going on in the church. Can you believe that? Some factions have formed. And some people are saying, Paul, the Apostle Paul, and uh, he's the top dog, and he's our favorite. We are, we are followers. Of, we're in Paul's camp. And others said, we don't like Paul. We, he's, he's small. He's got a big nose. And uh, he's not very friendly. He's quite, he comes across quite harsh. And uh, we, we like Apollos. Apollos is our favorite. Apollos is our favorite leader. And others, Paul said, others of you... You're in the Cephas camp. You like Peter. Peter's your favorite. Paul, we don't get on so well with. Apollos, mm. 
But Peter, no, no, Peter, he's a good guy. And Paul challenges them. And I, and I said, it's like in, this never happens in the modern day church, does it? Where some people would say, I, I like Paul. Paul's my favorite. He's cuddly and friendly. And uh, <laughs> it's like a big teddy bear. And Paul's, Paul's always been my favorite. And some people say, David, he's my favorite. <laughs> he's just like an old grandpa. And uh, he's got the best groovy moves on him. He's the best, he's the best dancer. And uh, he tells the best jokes. And then... My wife, Jenny, she thinks I'm the best. And, uh, and some of, you know, you know, Paul said, some of you think this guy's the best, some of you think this guy's the best. But he said, did, did any of these people die for you? <laughs> Were any of them crucified for you? Were you baptized into their name? And, and sometimes we get sidetracked, don't we, and sidetracked in, into some of the peripherals of church life. But we are called <laughs> to be Jesus-centered. We are called to be his representatives. We are called to hold Christ out. And the funny thing about our churches, and about any church, the miraculous thing about a church is, is that we coalesce around, we gather around Jesus Christ. You know, we are black and we are white. <laughs> we are old and we are young. We are from different cultures and different nations. We have many different nations represented in this church. Some of us have more money, some of us have less money. Some of us are very intelligent and, and uh, well-educated. Some of us are less well-educated. But what brings us together, what coalesces us, is Jesus Christ. We are followers of Jesus. We are followers about and of Jesus Christ. That's why we are the church. That's why we come together. That's the miracle, the mess of congregation. So we are called to be his representatives. And I, I thought I'd just ask Josh up to come and help me for a moment. And um, this Wednesday, we're starting a new Alpha course. And that's one of the ways that we as a church, we seek to represent Christ and to tell people about Jesus who don't know him or to allow them to explore the Christian faith. Josh, you have been um, on numerous Alpha courses, but you helped with the last Alpha course. And um, tell us a little bit about what it is, for those that don't know what the Alpha Course is, and some of your experience of that. Yeah, sure. Is this on? It should be. should be on. Hello. It is on. <laughs> is this working? There we go. Um, yeah, so for those who don't know, Alpha is a 10, or sometimes 12, but 10-week course, which basically explores kind of the foundations of Christianity. And it's a place where you can ask questions, you can kind of talk to people and just an open space and discuss some really foundational topics. Uh, things like prayer, Jesus, God, all those kind of basic things. And I helped on the last Alpha back in September, was it? Yeah, um, back in September. And what it consists of is basically you'll have some food. So there's one coming up, we've got coffee and cake, which is a huge win. Um, so you'll have food, you'll, you'll eat together, you'll drink together and just get to know your table um, in relationship, in fellowship with each other. And then you'll, then you'll watch the video. So the church which started at HTB London, they created this video series. You'll watch the video, um, which gives you kind of an overview of the topic. And then there'll be some discussion questions in your groups where you can ask those questions. You can talk about these difficult things, um, which you might not find easy to talk about. Um, and you can just really explore what Christianity is all about. And... What, I mean, how, how does that work for people that are not Christians, people that say, I, I'm not sure I even believe in God, or I'm not sure what my view is of Jesus or of the Bible, and, but they want to explore it. Is it, is it. Does it feel like a safe place to do that? Yeah. You know, we're talking about representing Jesus, but how, how's the dynamic of that in, in a room? Um, will people feel like they're stupid or they're going to get jumped on or converted or... Uh, no, so it, it is like a super safe space. Um, you kind of just you sit with your group and any question is valid. I think that's the beautiful thing about Alpha is there's no question that's too big or too small or too easy or too difficult. Um, and sometimes the group leader might not know the answer to the question, but um, that's okay because they can kind of explore and come back to you with those answers. But um, yeah, it's a super safe space for anyone, regardless if you have a faith, 
if you're very new to faith or if you've been in faith for a, a long time. I know personally for myself, um, even though I've been, I've been in this church for almost 10 years now, which is a bit crazy, um, and I've been a Christian like my whole life, but doing Alpha just really brings me back to my roots and to the basics, and it's a real nice, like, refreshing time for me where I can just remember, like, the foundations of why I do what I do. The videos, are, what are they, 15, 20 minutes or something? And they're really good, well-made videos, but they're quite informative, aren't they? And yeah. I, think, I think it is really an excellent course. Yeah, so the videos are like a nice blend of like people's stories who have either done Alpha before, just met God, um, with also a bit of teaching and just some fun bits in the, in the middle to like glue it all together, basically. So Wonderful. it's great. And it's, for, it's been for, for all ages in that sense. We, we had yeah. a number of young, young adults, teenagers, right through to you know, people in their 70s and 80s. Yeah, and so literally anyone, regardless of where you are in life. Um, I know we had quite a lot of young people last time who, who loved it. So. Yeah. Would recommend. Great. Um, yeah, cake's a bonus too. The cake's always good. Yeah. Thank you very much, Josh. Thank you. Thanks. So um, the invitation is there. We're starting a course on Wednesday this week, uh, our next Alpha course. It'll be here in the building. Starts with coffee and cake, 7.30. And if anything, I would say, if, if you're not a Christian or you're exploring um, then come along and, and try it out. The first evening is a tryout, so you can come and, and see if you like it and, and uh, see if you want to do the course. Um, because what we're, what we're about as a church, really, is we, we want to represent Jesus. We think he's the best and he's the answer and he, he is the, the purpose of life and, and the relationship with him is what we are called to. The, the third thing that I just want to wrap up with this evening is, um, is we're, called, we're called into this relationship with Jesus. And verse 9 of chapter 1, you were called into fellowship. God who has called you into fellowship with his son, Jesus Christ. We're called to be his representatives. And, and that is right through this first chapter of Corinthians. And, and Paul was this guy that was representing Jesus. Wherever he went, he wanted to tell people about Jesus and the way that Jesus had changed his life. And that's what we are called to do. And we do that in various ways, whether it's through the soup run or Love Thy Neighbor or Alpha Course or our kids' club, or any, most or many of our ministries is about telling people about Jesus. And that's why we're here as a church, is to do that. But the third thing that I just want to remind us of, uh, at the bottom here, if you can see it, um, is that God gives us, for all of this, he gives us his resources. He gives us his resources. He calls us into a relationship. He calls us to be his representatives. But he doesn't, he doesn't leave us alone as human beings, to do that. He, he gives us all of heaven's resources. Um, so when we're talking about being Jesus-centered, we want to we use the resources of God. Let, let's listen to these words that Paul says. He said, when I first came to you, dear brothers and sisters, this church in Corinth, I didn't use lofty words or impressive wisdom to tell you God's plan, secret plan, for I decided that while I was with you, I would forget everything except Jesus Christ, the one who was crucified. I came to you in weakness. I was timid and I was trembling. And my message and my preaching, they were very plain. Rather than using clever and persuasive speeches, I relied only on the power of the Holy Spirit. I did this so you would not trust in human wisdom, but in the power of God. <laughs> so what Paul says really is, is that when I came, and he says this elsewhere, he said, I, I could, you know, if we're talking about boasting, I, I could say I'm well-educated, I could say I had the best upbringing, I could say I followed all the religious laws, I, I could say various things in my plus column, but actually I count all of that to be rubbish compared to the surpassing knowledge of what it is to know Jesus Christ. And what he says here to these Corinthians is, you know, the Greeks, they're all into their rhetoric and their talking and their, and their wisdom. And the Jews, they're looking for power and transcendence and miracles. But, but, but when I came, I was, I was trembling, I was weak. I, I didn't use great speeches. But what I did have, I had the power of the Holy Spirit. And there was a moment when Paul would stand and he would teach and he would open his mouth 
and there would be something compelling about what he was saying. There would be something that would move people in their hearts. There was a moment on the day of Pentecost where the apostle Peter stood up and he started to explain the gospel, the good news about Jesus Christ. And he, he started to refer to the fact that Jesus had been crucified and to these crowds of people that were listening. And it says that they were, they were cut to the heart and they cried out, what must we do to be saved? And there was something on that day as Peter, an uneducated fisherman, not, not an educated seminarian, but an, an educated fisherman. But what they used to say about Peter and John and others like him was they could tell that these men had been with Jesus. <laughs> and there was something when they would stand up and they would speak. And there was something of the power of God, the presence of the Holy Spirit. And that is what we need as Christians. We need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. So it doesn't matter if you're educated or not. What Paul says is that actually when, many, when we became Christians, not many of us were wise, not many of us were well-educated, not many were noble, because God uses foolish things to, to, to confound the wise. God uses the weak things to confound the strong, and, and God uses those that are not to confound those that are. And, and what God says and Paul says through through this letter is, is that God will take every one of us, whatever our background, whatever our educational abilities, whatever our cultural upbringing, and it, he will empower us by his Holy Spirit. He'll give us his resources so that when we reach out to someone, it might be just telling our story to a friend at school, or it might be somebody at work, reaching out to them, praying for them, sharing our faith, our story with them, and God can take those words and use them so powerfully, your testimony, your story, to touch other people's lives. And we want to be these people, these representatives of Jesus, that wherever we go, in the school, in the college, in our workplace, where we rub shoulders at the school gate, wherever we are, that we are carriers of the presence of Jesus. And that's not about us being clever. It's not about us having the best apologetics or the best understanding of the Christian faith. The Alpha Course is not about trying to persuade people to become Christians. But what happens often is that as people come into contact with Jesus and are touched by the Holy Spirit, that their hearts begin to soften and open up and their eyes begin to see and there is an encounter with the living Jesus Christ. And this is who we are. We are Jesus-centered we're called to be in a relationship with him. And I want to remind you of the simplicity of that tonight. You're called to be in fellowship with Jesus. That's, that's what you're called to as a Christ follower. That's why they called us Christians, because we're little Christs. We're supposed to be like Jesus. We're supposed to be in relationship with him. We're called to that, and we're still called to that. We're called to be his representatives and to reach out to others. And you don't have to be clever to do that, and you don't have to have been a Christian for a long time to do that. What you need is the power of the Holy Spirit to do that like Paul, and we're called and we're given his resources. So tonight, as I wrap up and our first value, Jesus-centered, I'm going to um, read it again for you. Um, we are first and foremost, we're called to be followers of Jesus. We want to grow in our love for and relationship with Jesus and to become more like him and to point people towards him. We're going to play a final video which talks about Jesus-centered, which uh, Natalie made for us. And then I'm going to pray for you. Do you want to start it again and um, get the volume on it? for now guys thank you um, let's pray let's pray and um, ask God for any and all of these areas um, 
if, if you never entered into a relationship with, with Jesus, you know, just like he invited um, Zacchaeus, and um, just like he's invited many people down the ages, he knocks on, on, the, on the door of our hearts and he invites us to a relationship with him. And perhaps that's you tonight and you would like to open your heart to him and say, Lord Jesus, come into my life. Uh, I want a relationship with you. I want to know you. And uh, you can ask him just where you are now in the semi-darkness. You can ask him to come into that relationship with you. And um, I want to pray for you that you would know him and fellowship with him. Lord, I pray for anyone here tonight that is listening to this message that doesn't know you, that they may open their hearts to you and enter into a relationship with you, a living relationship with Jesus. This is what we are called to, and this is the opportunity that we have. And I pray, Lord, that you will reveal yourself to anyone who is genuinely seeking you and come into their life. And I pray for every one of us, Heavenly Father, tonight, that we would remember that this is ultimately what we are called to. We are called into a relationship with Jesus. And I pray that, Lord, we would represent you wherever we go, that we would be representatives of Jesus Christ. I thank you, Lord, that we are your ambassadors, that we carry your name, and, Lord, we get to share your message. But I also thank you, Lord, that you didn't leave us resourceless to do this, but you gave us every one of heaven's resources. You gave us especially the power of the Holy Spirit that we might share your word with power and conviction to touch people's lives. So I pray that we would have a sense of excitement, Lord, as we go tonight, that we are your ambassadors and that you will give us opportunities um, in every way, Lord, to share this gospel with others. I pray we would do so with the power and the conviction of the Holy Spirit. So, Lord, we thank you, and we ask you that, that, Jesus, you will be lifted up, that you will be the center, and that you will be glorified. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.